Attention all you rule breakers, you misfits and troublemakers, all you free spirits and pioneers, all you visionaries and nonconformists. Everything the establishment has told you is wrong with you is actually what's right with you. You see things others don't. You are listening to the Spiritual Activist Radio Show, and I am Rahasia Uncensored, where we look at the world not as it is, but as we know it can be, if and only if we have the courage to question the answers we've been given. This is our world, and it's time for us to take it back. Okay, here we are again on BBS Radio. Coming out of Texas now, I believe. And um, I'm also on Rumble. If you go to rumble.com forward slash user forward slash Rahasia Uncensored. I'm also on BitChute as Rahasia Uncensored. And YouTube when they occasionally allow one of my videos to stay up. I'm going to try to get this one to stay up on there because that's where I have most of my followers. And they're in BBS Radio. So I think I'm going to call this... I'm going to call this Wetiko Part 1. The reason it's going to be Part 1 is because I'm going to dive into this deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. I just gave a talk. I was called to give a talk at the Regenesis Conference in uh, Crestone, Colorado. When I went there and uh, gave the talk on Wetiko, which is a Native American term, Lakota, I believe, uh, for a cannibalistic interdimensional spirit. Uh, the same thing that the Archons are called, if you're reading Gnostic material, uh, if you're reading some of the Islamic material, you'd call it the Jinn. Christians, of course, call them evil demons, demon spirits. Call it what you may, a rose is still a rose. And these spirits... I don't know. It's it's just came to my mind in the past maybe four months that this may be what's wrong with our world. Uh, so we're going to have to go into this deeper because I find it interesting, at the very least, that maybe one of the most uh, worst negative influences on our world today is the very influence that's the least paid attention to. That'd be the same thing with uh, COVID-19. The very worst group that was hit hardest was the group that were obese. And we hardly heard anything about it from mainstream media. Or I don't want to say too much about that because YouTube will kick me off again. Um. They actually kicked me off once for, for talking about spirituality. I, I still can't figure that one out. But I'm not going to stop talking about spirituality. That's what my podcast is about, spiritual activism. Looking at the world and trying to see the underlying spiritual element, the causative factor that, especially if it becomes a common denominator. And you can see this with Tico as a common denominator across every single thing. I'm going to read a little bit of, of this that was in uh, an, it's a 
website on economics. And this is just one aspect. Before I get going too much, as you know, I don't really advertise. Uh, here it comes, here it comes. I'm going to ask you for some donations, but that's really great if you can. If you can't, that's okay too. It's uh, if you go to lotusguide.com forward slash donation. Um, there's a PayPal link there. It's a secure link and whatever you can give is greatly appreciated. Um, we've had a pretty tough time here in paradise. We've gone through the paradise fire, the Dixie fire, the COVID-19, the 2008 collapse, and our magazine is still alive. And, um, you know, what can I say? But back to, um, the speech I gave in Crestone at the Regenesis. <clears throat> this is about groups getting together. I remember years ago reading uh, Starseed Transmissions from Ken Carey. You can't get it anymore, I don't think, especially the recording. I have a recording, and people keep asking me for it, but I just have to digitize it and make it more available. And Because uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful recording, actually. But in chapter 9 in Starseed Transmissions, he talks about islands of the future. Islands of the future are going to be conscious communities that sprout up all over the planet and create a frequency high enough to bring in higher spiritual information from a much, much higher level than here. Because we're never going to get the answers from here. This is where we create problems, not answers. And after you get that information, to be able to disseminate it out to a wider public, uh, Joe and Mabel down here that works all day, they have four kids and go bowling on Wednesdays and watch way too much Netflix, get it into a language that they can read or listen and go, hey, you know, there's something here that I've never really thought about before. That is the job that I see a lot of us in podcasting and alternative news and alternative publications. Because the world needs help right now. Worse than it's ever needed before. Now I know being a podcaster, I'm supposed to keep this really upbeat. I'm supposed to be animated and... uh funny and everything else. And I, and I try to do that because it's important to be engaged. And I, I know how it is to s sit and listen to a podcaster that's just monotone and rah, 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 and just keeps on rolling out just nonsense. And you have to wait, and wait and wait for that little pearl to show up. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I'm going to really do my best to bring you what I have experienced so far when it comes to Watiko, these interdimensional spirits. And the way I see it, once you start seeing this, and this is what I brought up in my talk in Colorado, it's like the donkey in the cart picture. It's a picture just of a mangled mess of trees and bushes. And somebody would tell you, there's a donkey in a cart embedded into the picture, and you can't see it save your life until it's pointed out. Once it's pointed out, the donkey in the cart jumps out at you every time you see that picture. You can't not see it. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's the same thing 
with some of these conspiracy ideas. And this is why people say, oh, they're, they're constantly saying everything's connected. Well, come to find out that they are connected. And um, there are conspiracies like crazy going on right now. And they have been going since the beginning of time. I mean, two people getting together in secret to do something against the better interest of a large population. That's how the world works. What do you mean there's no conspiracies? It's happening all the time. Now, I'm going to try to make this as coherent as possible because I have a way of getting all over the map when I talk about things and just throw a lot out there because I get excited about some of these things and um, it's a different thing to be excited and actually just get the word out in a comprehensible way. And that's what I'm going to try to do today because this is so important. It's so important that during my talk in Colorado, one of the Hopi elders from the tribe came up and in the middle of my talk, he stood beside me and he pointed to a graph or a chart he had in the background of that that wall that the Hopis have that shows our evolution and everything that's coming into it, the shift in the fifth dimension. And he explained to the people there, he says, listen, you really need to pay attention to what he's talking about right now, because this is the problem. And we've been telling you about this in indigenous people all over the planet have been talking about this for millennia. The Hopis have been talking about it for centuries. All of the Native American Indians have noticed this. There is a mind virus that comes in, and believe me, I know how bizarre that sounds. I might as well be talking about UFOs, and maybe we are, in, in a sense, in a non-directly related manner. But this is what I mean. I can get all over the map on this stuff because this might have a whole lot to do with advanced beings intervening into our reality. And they know about these interdimensional beings and they're either trying to support them or suppress them. I don't know which, maybe both. I mean, when it comes to humans, you can't say humans are bad. Uh, but you can't say humans are good. There are bad humans and good humans. It's, it's a mixture and um, but when Wetiko gets into you, matter of fact, I'll maybe on part two or three, I'll bring up some of the things that humans have done. I was just listening to what Japanese did to some of the Chinese in this little province during World War II for six weeks. I mean, they tortured these people. They mutilated them. They they cut them in half. They raped them. They sodomized them. They stake the women down on the sidewalk and let soldiers just walking by have their way with them, women and children. And I'm listening to this and it's like, oh my God, how can you get hundreds of people together to do something like this? And you can't tell me, you have to leave out the idea that what Japanese people are genetically programmed to be like this. No. There's, I've met a lot of Japanese people, and they're really, really nice people. I've met Chinese people. They're really, really nice people. But I think that is a good example of Wetiko, these 
interdimensional spirits getting into them on these low frequencies because the Japanese people were fighting a war, remember? And wars are a lot of negative energy, anger, fear, aggression, all the things that it takes to bring you down to a frequency where Watiko can get into you, which we will get into also because the your spiritual shield is love. If you can hold love in your heart, you're not going to get bothered by Watiko. And because they, for one, in a nuts and bolts kind of a way, they can't eat that energy. If that energy is your soul energy, they can't eat it. Because see, they're here for food. Food and nourishment. This is what, I remember Gurdjieff saying this once. Gurdjieff said, he was asked, what is the purpose of life? And what is the purpose of beings in this life? Animals, flowers, everything. He said, the bottom line purpose is whatever you are, wherever you are on the spectrum. You could be the sun, you could be a black hole, you could be a flower, you could be a person, a dog, an animal, a cat, whatever. Your purpose in being here is to absorb energy like a plant. It absorbs photonic energy from the sun, transforms it into chlorophyll and many other nutrients and expels that into the soil. We consume food. We consume vegetables and grains and sometimes meat. And we consume that and we bring that into us and we transform it into other lower energies, sometimes even higher energies, nutrients and minerals, and expel the rest. That's what everything in the universe does and probably everything in the interdimensional universe. They have to eat. They may well be here and not even see themselves as evil beings. I'm sure a carrot, if it was conscious, would see us as an evil being. We're going in and just chomping it, munching it down, and consuming it. But we're not thinking we're evil for doing that. Our perspective of these interdimensional beings is that they are evil because now I think this is my opinion. I think they're actually once you get embedded in negative energy, that is absorbed into your soul. Your soul energy is being brought down in a frequency. And I really think that these beings can eat that energy. And that's not a good thing because you could actually lose your soul. There's many parts in the Bible where it says, what good does it do a man to gain the world if he loses his soul? Obviously, by Christian thinking, you can lose your soul. So I think that that is something really important to think about while we're here, having fun and orgasms and all the things that that addicts us to life, whether it's drugs or people or sex or adventure, whatever. We cannot let our frequency get down to a level where there's even the possibility that there's interdimensional creatures, beings, entities that can come in and eat 
our soul. Now think about this. If this is true, and the whole point is it's a cannibalistic, that, that is actually the definition. It's a cannibalistic entity that comes into our realm. That's Wetiko, Native American term. I, I have been reading back in the Mahabharata and some of the Upanishads, the Vedic literature, and I'm telling you, they've been warning us about this since the beginning of time. The Garden of Eden, what were we warned about? We were warned about the snake in the garden. Now, like I say, there's going to be part two and three and probably four, maybe even five, because this is such an in-depth subject. Right now, I'm sort of giving a little bit of an overview um, because reptilians have something to do with this. And it could be that reptilians are taking the reptilian form, but in actuality, they may be Wetiko en entities. Or the reptilians knows all about the Wetiko and is using them to bring down our society and bring us into another transhumanist form. And if you can't see that that's happening, um, you better wake up because our foods are getting genetically modified. The CEO of Pfizer recently came out in an interview and said the, the purpose of this mRNA vaccine is to upgrade and modify our DNA. And uh, the lady interviewing him said, well, how long has this been in, around? He said, well, in 2016, we did a survey to see how many people would be open to the idea of taking an experimental uh, DNA upgrade. And 95% of the people said, hell no. Um, I, I, I don't, can't even imagine who the 5% was. And they said, so in, he said, in that sense, the COVID has been a blessing to us because that's allowed us to roll out this mRNA um, treatment. I mean, it's not really a vaccine. Uh, I'll be surprised if this gets past the, uh, the YouTube people. But I can't help it. You know, we need to start talking about this. And please go to my Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash user forward slash Rahasia Uncensored. Go there and join that. Go there to the BBS radio, bbsradio.com forward slash uh, spiritual activist. That's my BBS radio show. Join those because eventually I'm going to get kicked off of YouTube probably because I, I just can't seem to stop talking about, oh, what's that word? Truth. Man, I, I never thought in all my years I'd be in this kind of a position where I have to worry about saying the truth. But here we are today. So back to Watiko. Uh, you're probably going to get sick of me talking about this, but uh, if you want to know a little bit more about it, uh, Paul Levy, whom I'm trying to get an interview with, Paul Levy wrote the book on Watiko. Excellent book. And if you go to YouTube, put in Paul Levy, Watiko, listen to his experience. I mean, he's actually had a, a dramatic experience with these entities coming into him, put him in a, a mental hospital for a few days. And um, that would wake somebody up. 
myself. I think my experience with Wetiko probably happened most when I was taking drugs, methamphetamine, cocaine, because that takes you down to a frequency level and opens the portal for these creatures, especially alcohol. I mean, why do we call it spirits? Of course, it's because it, it creates a portal for these spirits to come in. And we do things that we normally wouldn't do, say things that we normally wouldn't say. And in the end, we become something that we're not. And we have to work hard to get back to that. That's been my experience. It's taken me probably 25 years of being clean and coming back and grounding myself and clearing out. Although it's only been the last few months that I realized what I've been doing. But I just thought I was just being, you know, a nice guy, you know, love everybody, give everybody a hug. Uh, try not to be too judgmental, which is hard sometimes. Uh, try to be uh, have unconditional love. Love your enemies. I mean, that's a tough one. But it's not just to be a good guy and look good to the people around you. Oh, he's such a nice guy. No, no, no. This is how you bring your frequency up. You know, I think Jesus was bringing this up. He's giving us a, a how-to manual on how to expel these entities from you. Remember, he was taken up on a hill for 40 days and really, really uh, hammered with these, they call it Satan, uh, demonic spirits, but I think it's the same thing. These are interdimensional entities interfering with us. And... Um, if you don't think this is important, you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world right now. I mean, look at the Ukraine and Russia. Uh, not to marginalize the, the suffering that's going on there with the Ukrainians, but honestly, at this point, I don't know who the bad guy is and who the good guy is, because there's a lot of bad guys in the Ukraine. Uh, I... It, I don't want to go into it too much because people's going, but we have to really, really open our minds a little bit on this subject. That the Ukraine has been a Nazi, fascist uh, foothold for Nazis and fascists after the World War II, all these years, and uh, they've done some horrendous things to their people there, which are Russian people. Um, is that what Putin is about? Um, they have at least 11, probably 15, and now it's coming out maybe 20 military biological labs there. Um, is that what Putin is sort of worried about right at his border? And these labs are being run by, guess who? Us? I mean, I, I'm proud of this country and how it was, how it first came about. I mean, look, if you're looking, I, I, I have no problem wearing the flag on me, but uh, my pride of this country goes back a couple hundred years. Um, if, if I came here 50 years ago and seen what this country was doing, I'm not too sure I'd be all that proud. Um, and we're, we're running these labs. We supported the lab in Wuhan. I mean, people, we need to wake up on this. 
and realize that something um, is going on that we have no idea about. It's it's interesting too. I looked up the coat of arms for Russia. The coat of arms is a knight with a white hat on a horse, with and the guy has a spear, and the horse has his hoof on a dragon, and the spear is in its mouth. I think that's a reptile. It's a reptile. Then you read Revelations. The bear of the north, Russians, are supposed to come down on the dragon of the south, the the Chinese, during these apocalyptic times. I I think we're in those times right now. And that's a sad state of affairs, if you ask me. Really sad. Well, let's talk about this. Capitalism, mind viruses, and antidotes for a world in transition. Now think about capitalism. Think about banks. If you, was going to, if you were going to create an entity, an agency, a corporation, a business that was built on nothing more than consuming the wealth from a society and hoarding it and keeping the society completely enslaved to your system, the banking system you couldn't come up with a better idea. The banking system works on creating money out of nothing. We all know that now. It creates money out of thin air and loans it to us at a high cost, and we end up having to pay it back plus interest on money that didn't exist in the first place. Why don't we just print our own money? I I don't understand that. I heard John Stewart asking a financial guy that, and he couldn't even answer it, or he didn't want to, because the truth is we could collapse the whole system and start over. We owe $20 trillion. To who? Who do we owe $20 trillion to? If you go by the definition of what's going on, we owe it to ourselves. So why not just forgive ourselves and go on? Uh, Of course, that takes in a lot of the world economics and everything, but we're going to lose the dollar as the Federal Reserve currency. You know, it's on its way out. And people say the prices of everything going up, 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 up. Prices of everything isn't going up, 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 up. The value of the dollar is going down, 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 down. It's taking more dollars to buy gas and food and gold and silver. I mean, the banking system... That's the worst idea. A good book on that is The $10 Trillion Conspiracy by Jim Mars. Um, G.F. Griffin uh, writes some really good books on this, too. Um, Can't think of his book right offhand, but look these people up on YouTube. So I'm just going to go on here with this article. What if... We told you that humanity is being driven to the brink of extinction by an illness. That all the poverty, the climate devastation, the perpetual war, the consumption fetishism we all see around us have roots in a mass psychological infection. What if we went on to say that this infection is not just highly communicable, 
but also self-replicating according to the laws of cultural evolution, and that it remains so clandestine in our psyche that most hosts will, as a condition of their infected state, vehemently deny that they are infected. What if we then told you that this mind virus can be described as a form of cannibalism? Yes, cannibalism. Not necessarily in the literal flesh-eating sense, but rather the idea of consuming others, human and non-human, as a means of securing personal wealth and supremacy. You may dismiss this line of thinking as New Age woo-woo or worse, a leftist conspiracy theory, but this approach of viewing the transmission of ideas as a key of determinant of the emergent reality is increasingly validated by various branches of science, including evolutionary theory, quantum physics, cognitive linguistics, and epigenetics. The history of this infection is long, strange, and dark, but it also but it leads to hope. And you have to think about that too, because hope is something good to have if it leads you to action. I've noticed this about people. Yeah, I have hope, but you really talk to them about their hope, and what their hope is is they're hoping somebody else will take care of their problems for them. That's not hope. Uh, I mean, I, I, I believe and I have hope for a better future. I have my doubts about it, but I have hope that we have a better future. But I tried to let that hope lead me to some kind of action on a daily, moment-to-moment action to bring that hope about. But I can't just sit back and hope that somebody else is going to do it for me. That doesn't make any sense at all to me. Viruses of the mind. The new world fell not to a sword, but to a mame or a mime. I never know how to quite pronounce that. I know um, I hear it once in a while and people pronounce it differently. M-E-M-E. One of the most well-accepted scientific theories that helps explain the power of idea spreading is memetrics. Mames are to culture what genes are to biology, the base unit of evolution. The term was originally coined by the evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins in his 1976 book, The Selfish Gene. Dawson writes, I think that a new kind of replicator has recently emerged. It is still drifting clumsily about in its primeval, primeval soup. But already it is achieving evolutionary change at a rate that leaves the old gene panting far behind. He goes on, examples of memes are tunes, ideas, catchphrases, clothes, fashions, ways of making pots or building arches, just as genes propagate themselves in the gene pool by leaping from one body to another body via sperms or eggs. So memes propagate themselves in the meme pool by leaping from brain to brain via a process which, in the broad sense, can be called imitation. Now, this is what I mean when I say that the Wetiko, these these spirits, they, they have no creative power, none whatsoever. They cannot create. They can only imitate. 
and you can see their imitations with that one easy thing that becomes very, very apparent when you look at our world. You can see the imitation that a Watiko is bringing out because it's inverted. We see the obvious things like the inverted cross and things like that, but watch the news. Everything that they're accusing the other side of is exactly what they're doing, except it's sort of inverted and twisted. But if you turn it back around the opposite way, you can see that that's exactly what they are doing. They are not creators. They can't create. They can only destroy and imitate. And when Richard Dawkins is talking about this and calling them memes, what he's talking about is the Wetiko. And this is what I mean. We've been talking about these things throughout history. Plato is talking about them. The, the shadows on the cave wall is a form of this. Um, Aristotle talks about it. Like I mentioned before, the, the Gnostics, the Essenes, the Christians. Um, and then think about all the historians, Heraclitus and di- different people, philosophers that have written about these things, but called them by a different name. And hardly any of them exactly knew what they were talking about. Just that, hey, there's something here that we need to pay attention to because this simply isn't right. Uh, there's, there's a craziness going on. And the craziness is all around us right now. And when I see the craziness time after time after time, and it has the same flavor, then I start to wonder to myself, okay, there really is a mind virus going on right now. It's interesting we call it a virus, and it's interesting that we call viruses viruses because viruses can't create either. They can only imitate. This whole thing could easily be put in the structure of a simulation, an AI. An AI is getting stronger and stronger, and AI, that's going to be in probably part two or three. AI is playing a huge part in this. And it could be that AI is guiding us to this place where the Wetiko can completely take us over. And if that's the case, we're done. As humanity, we're done. They're going to take us into virtual realities where we just sit back like a a blimp. We already do it. Couch potatoes watching Netflix is nothing compared to what's coming. And what is going to ultimately be here is we could end up in pods exactly like in The Matrix. I remember David Icke saying that The Matrix isn't a movie, it's a documentary. And if we're not careful, that's where our future generations are headed. They'll have them in test tubes, uh, grow them up in pods, and just use the energy created by them. I tell you, this whole thing is so fucked up that there's a part of me that would just like to just disappear. I live in the forest. I got my dog here. He loves to come to work with me. And uh, I, I would just soon go home and set the gate, grow my food, milk the goats, get the chickens, get their eggs, go to the garden and walk my dog back to the pond. But 
I, I think we all have to do our part, whatever our part is. Um, my part seems to be having a magazine, and I'm writing about this stuff. Um, I'm just starting to push the envelope a little bit. My next article will be Watiko, probably Watiko, and how to recognize and dismantle it, something to that effect. But I, it, it's got to be at least something that I can get out there and people won't complain to me. Because if they're complaining, it doesn't bother me. You know, a friend of mine, Terry Cole Whitaker, she wrote a book, It's None of My Business What You Think About Me. And it's truly true. I I honestly, be, I'm getting more and more to the point where I don't care what people think about me. Because it's usually indicative of what they think about themselves, first of all. And secondly, it it's actually is none of my business. It's the best title for a book I've ever seen. Terry Cole Whitaker, she, she's up in Oregon now. Uh, she writes for our magazine, too. She has a column there. Uh, <clears throat> gem of a person, I tell you. And yeah, by the way, you can visit our magazine at lotusguide.com. And if you want to make a donation, go, go to lotusguide.com forward slash donation. And um, believe me, right now, donations really help. Uh, magazine is hanging in there. It still pays our bills. It supports a lot of alternative health care givers and people in the magazine. And that's what it's all about right now, just doing whatever we can do uh, to help. And right now, this, this seems like a good thing to do to help because, uh, like I said before, if, if the most profound problem in the world is the least looked at, we're in trouble. And and I think this is at the bottom of all of our problems. You can't tell me one thing from robbing a bank because you need money so bad, or at least think you do, to being a pedophile that can't be explained by Watiko. Um, these people are sick. You know, I in my last article in the Lotus Guide, I, I wrote something about transgenders. And I honestly don't care what somebody does in the privacy of their own life. Uh, they can even portray it on the street. You, if you're a guy, you can go out on the street dressed up like a girl. I don't care. You, you can cover yourself with feathers and paint your face purple and have sex with whoever. But what I don't like is when that is pushed on me and more importantly pushed on little kids. Uh, before the age of consent. Um, they're trying to give uh, five-year-olds hormone blockers to prepare them for what I would call genital mutilation, but, you know, cutting off their penis so they can be a girl. Uh, because at five years old, they decided they probably wants to be a girl. I, at five years old, I was learning how to whistle. That was my big thing. And um, I wasn't even thinking about sex. I I occasionally look down there, but I didn't think about it. Uh, good Lord, what are we doing to our kids? We're trafficking them, and I don't know. Like I say, sometimes I feel like just disappearing off into the wilderness and letting everything go the way it's going to go, but there's, there's something in me, a, a spiritual thing, that simply won't let me do that. 
was watching Oprah one time years ago, and it was a cop on there. And the cop had saved this person's life. And Oprah said, well, what happened? He said, well, I was driving along on the bridge, and I seen this woman um, getting ready to jump off the bridge. And so he stopped and sort of walked over to her calmly, talking to her, saying, ma'am, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. All the time walking a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. And the closer he got, the more she got up on the ledge. And right when he got to her, she jumped and he grabbed her arm. So now he has her arm. She's dangling over a very, very big fall. And he's got one arm grabbed a hold of the railing. And he's being stretched to his limit. And he's being pulled off. You know, his his hand is slipping little by little. It's slipping. And he's thinking to himself, I know I should let go, you know, but. And just when he was going to go over and, and that's the crazy thing, he was going to go over with her. Another cop had pulled up behind him, seen the situation, grabbed him, pulled him back up. And then they both pulled her back up and. Oprah said, why didn't you let go? He says, I couldn't. There was something in me that could not let go. Well, there's something in me that can't let go of this. And even though there's a part of me saying, you know, just let it go. Let people do what they're going to do. Let the world go to hell. You know, I'm in my mid-70s. I'm good. I've, I've, I've lived my life. But then I think about all these kids and uh, we, we have a responsibility to make this world a better place. And I honestly think that bringing attention to Watiko could be the key to making this world a better place. And I just mentioned a few minutes ago about Plato. This is about Plato here. Of course, similar notions of how ideas move between us have been around in Western traditions for centuries. Plato was the first to fully articulate this through his theory of forms, which argues that non-physical forms, ideas, for instance, represent the perfect reality from which material reality is derived. Modern articulations of the theory of forms can be seen in Pierre de Teilhard-Chardin's ideas of the neosphere, the sphere of human thought, and Carl Jung's collective unconsciousness, where structures of the unconscious are shared among beings of the same species. For Jung, the idea of marauding cannibal would, be, would first be an archetype, that manifests in the material world through the actions of those who channel or embody it. And this is what I mean. We're all, we've all been talking about anybody of any substance, of any kind of IQ and thought about the deeper aspects of reality has come across this. And we name it different things. We call it different things. We have different perspectives of it. But I, I think Watiko nails it perfectly as a cannibalistic interdimensional entity. I mean, that is what I believe 
it is. And once again, I think that is the problem. And maybe, just maybe, um, if some of the smartest people on the planet, um, everybody from Rudolf Steiner to Swedenborg to Francis Bacon and probably Shakespeare, who knows if they were the same person, all of these people have been talking about this, this inner life being just as real. Remember Jesus once saying that if you look at a woman and you lust for that woman, you have committed adultery if you're married. And I guess you're not supposed to look at them and lust for them even if you're not married. But he's saying that your inner life has a reality just as real as the outer life. As it is above, so it is below. I mean, this goes on and on and on and on. And I think if the most accomplished, brilliant, ascended masters, gurus, writers, historians, thinkers throughout history have been talking about this and warning us. Uh, you ought to hear what some of the historians talk about at, at the fall of the Grecian Empire and the Roman Empire. They're sitting back and going, holy mother of God, there is something really weird going on. I mean, I don't know if you've read about some of the things that Constantine and his people in the Senate were doing sexually, but one of the historians didn't even want to write about it. He, he said, well, let me just put it this way. It has a lot to do with feather and furs, and that's as much as I want to say. Um, and it's probably good to think about, too. Some of these things you, you don't really want to get into too much because you dip down into the frequency of the Wetiko then. But we need to get as close as we can get so we can identify it. I mean, I've always been of the the mindset that if there's something evil or bad out there, I want to turn the light on and see what it is. And I, I want to put it right out in front of me. I want to name it for what it is and deal with it. I don't want to close my eyes and have it come up behind me and bite me in the ass or the soul, whatever it may be. But, um, yeah. This is called dead air, by the way. It's not something you're supposed to do. But I, I'm. this is just coming off the top of my head. So sometimes I have to wait to hear what I'm going to say also. Now, you know, I, I've also talked to Bruce Lipton a little bit about this. I remember talking to uh, Greg Braden, and he brings up the Nag Hammadi libraries. The information in that, if, if these well-meaning people didn't write down some of this stuff on scrolls and wrap it up real tight and put it in clay pots and seal it and hide it in caves. Um, you know, the Roman church and the, the, they would have found it and burned it like they did the library of Alexandria. I mean, they have miles and miles and miles of all of this. They know what's going on, which really makes me a little bit concerned about the fact that there's like, millions and millions of Catholic people that just follow this blindly. I mean, they they named their telescope Lucifer, for God's sake. I mean, some of this stuff, I, when I bring it up to people, I feel like I'm talking to five-year-olds. You know, I was talking to someone the other day 
he's a transgender person. And I'm, I'm saying, but you, you do know that just because you identify with being a woman, it doesn't biologically make you a woman. And he says, yes, it does. That That is my reality. I I felt like telling him, well, look down there and see what you see. I mean, I, I don't think you're a woman because you say you are. You know, I, I don't think water turns into wine just because during the Eucharist, the priest says it does. They've actually checked this out and it's not true. But they truly believe it. You know, um, believing something doesn't necessarily make it true. Uh, I wrote a book on beliefs called To Believe or Not to Believe, The Social and Neurological Consequences of Belief Systems. And this enters into it too, because lo and behold, uh, remember the, the quote by Voltaire, if they can make you believe in absurdities, they can make you commit atrocities. Well, come to find out, guess what? A person that believes in absurdities, like water can turn into wine, and virgins can have babies, and you can raise from the dead in three three days, uh, it might be true on some level with some people, it could, but it's absurd according to every known biological, historical, physical principle we know of. If you can force a person to believe something absurd, there is a particular neural networking. And they can see what that networking is with functional MRIs. I've talked to Andrew Newberg and other neuroscientists about this. And they all say the same thing. That is indicative. They can see what kind of belief systems people have if they're absurd by their neural networks. Well, guess what? Somebody that goes out onto the battlefield or out into life or a serial killer and does atrocious things, guess what kind of neural networking they have? You can overlay it almost perfectly on top of the absurd neural networking. There's a lot here people we need to pay attention to because we're being programmed in such a way that it's not really something good to do right now because programming indicates that it's being on an unconscious level. So this is um, taking a look at it from an epigenetics point of view. For those of for those who prefer their science more empirical, the growing field of epigenetics provides some intellectual concrete. Epigenetic studies, changes in organisms caused by modification of gene expression rather than any physical alteration of the gene itself. In other words, how traits vary from generation to generation is not solely a question of material biology but is partly determined by environmental and contextual factors that affected our ancestors and then are triggered within our genetic sequences through activation events in our life. In other words, if you're in a culture that has a particular propensity for uh, violence when you drink, well, guess what? You're, you're probably going to have that genetic propensity in this life too when the, the situation comes about. But the many, many conversations I've had with Bruce Lipton on this, 
and you can look that up on youtube.com forward slash Lotus Guide. My interviews with him are still there. Apparently, they're okay. Um, he talks about this, and energy also influences our genetics. It, what are we talking about here? We're talking about interdimensional energetic beings that come in. They can manipulate our gene expression, which manipulates our actions, our thoughts, who we think we are, what I, what do I think my thoughts are? Is that my thought? Uh, how many people are in prison right now, laying in a bunk bed, looking at the ceiling, going, oh my God, I can't believe that I did that. I don't even remember doing it. And this is in their quiet moments. This isn't their uh, defense. They honestly don't remember doing some of these things. How many people have done really horrible things to children and other adults and and looking back later in life where they've evolved past that frequency of perception and reality, look back and just wonder how in this world did I do that? Why did I do that? But more importantly, how? How do we do the things we do? Now, this is a little bit of a mindset and a perceptual thing that it's good to keep in mind. uh, Because if you look back at at what some of the, the Native Americans have said, they, they said that they identified with Tico right away in the Europeans that were coming over. It showed, out, it showed up in their greed, their expansionism, their lack of respect for the land. Um, this is from um, Luther Standing Bear, Land of the Spotted Eagle. We did not think of the great open plains the beautiful rolling hills and the winding streams with tangled growth as wild. Only to the white man was nature a wilderness, and only to him was the land infested by wild animals and savage people. To us, it was tame. Earth was bountiful, and we were surrounded with the blessings of the great mystery. Not only the hairy man from the east came and with brutal frenzy heaped injustices on us and the families we loved, was it wild for us? Yeah. Sometimes it's a matter of perception, and I can see that a lot of our disagreements, our conflict is perceptual, and uh, we'd be good to do is to look at some of the indigenous people and how did they, I I still tend to call them Indians. I know I'm not supposed to, but how did the Native Americans live on this continent for thousands of years, uh, at least 15,000 years? And you can hardly tell that anybody lived here. You know, they they respected Mother Earth. And here's something else to think about. Many spiritual traditions, including Buddhism, Sufism, the mystical branch of Islam, Taoism, Gnosticism, as well as many indigenous cultures, have long understood the mind-based nature of creation. These worldviews have at their core a recognition of the power of thought forms to determine the course of physical events. And this is an ongoing conflict in science. 
Because what came first? Consciousness that created matter or matter and consciousness is just a byproduct of the matter. Well, you know what? We're at the end of the show. This is why uh, we have to do part two and three and four and five, I think. Because as we get into this, I think you're going to wake up to this. And, and, and this is the important thing. I'm going to leave you with this. If anything else, I, I want the donkey in the cart to jump out at you. And, and so you can see it in people, in events. These events are not just one time. They're, they're a connected series of events. And you have to stand back from that 36,000 elevation view and look at things. And as you look at it, your biggest protection has nothing to do with finances, religion, and politics, or where you live, or anything. It has to do with how much love you're holding in your heart and in your soul. Because that love is the infusion of an energy that will bring your frequency up to a level to where you can see all this stuff. And you're in the world, but you're not of it. You're, you're at a level where you can see this and you can help others start dealing with this. Because we, we all know the, the sayings, that, oh, that person really brings me down, you know. Yeah, these people can really bring you down if you're open to their frequency. But if you're up above that frequency, you will bring them up or they'll just quietly disappear off into the mist never to be seen again. But that's not the case here. I'm not going away. And um, if you want more, if you want to get in touch with me, it's Rahasia, R-A-H-A-S-Y-A, at USA.com. And like I say, if you want to give a donation, that's lotusguide.com forward slash donation. And um, everything is appreciated. And please join my Rumble channel in case they forever kick me off of uh, YouTube and uh, BitChute, both of which is Rahasia Uncensored. And um, I guess we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you and much love to all of you.